0: Welcome to this, the second edition of the Curious Podcast in partnership with our friends at the Curious Brewery. We have today a rather illustrious guest, something of a rock god, a supporter of the festival, a resident of the South Coast, a man called John Ilsley, who knows his way around a bass guitar. John, it's very nice to have you here on the Curious Podcast. Very warm welcome to it. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Um, you, I assume you've just come up from from the region in which the Curious Arts Festival is held. You're a near neighbour to Pilewell Park. In I'm Moves very sales. close to there,
1: yeah. But I actually came up last night because um, I wanted to... Actually, when did we come up? Came up last night, yeah, um, because we had a charity thing to go to and then I wanted to go and see the Picasso at uh, Tate Modern. How was it? Uh, incredible, actually. And being an artist myself, I, I sort of love to um, try and catch up on what's going on and... Um, It it meets all expectations. I mean, as an artist, everybody matches themselves against Picasso.
0: When did you you see? I'm intrigued to hear you talk about you and painting because it's only fairly recently I learned that you do paint. I Mm. know that you had an exhibition some years ago now at Angela. Oh God, Angela. Angela Neville. Angela Neville. The Neville Keating Gallery. Gallery. uh, Which I didn't go to, unfortunately. What took? What made you start to take up brushes, or has that always been? your your Uh, Well,
1: actually, it all started at the same time as playing the guitar. I, uh, when I went to, away to school, um, I started, I picked the guitar when I was about 14 or 15, much to the uh, annoyance of the housemaster. Um, and um, at the same time, the art uh, room was invaded by this long-haired sort of beatnik guy from, straight from college who took over the, uh, the uh, art situation at the school and excited everybody instead of sitting in desks he cleared everything out of the way and uh, anyway that became my refuge going to the art room um and uh i just fell in love with painting i mean i just thought this was a great way to uh feel something about yourself and feel things about things outside of yourself you see i'm gonna to have to show and tell i
0: used to play a bit of guitar I used to be a session guitarist for people like Mm. Um, Michael Hutchinson in excess and Errol Brown at hot chocolate. So when I hear someone else play guitar, I think, God, how the hell do they do that? And I have to spend hours trying to figure it out and usually can't. When you go and see Picasso mm. or a Picasso exhibition,
1: are you looking at brushwork and thinking, how did he do that? I'm more looking at the uh, at the content and, and uh, the ideas that, they, that he used because uh, painting is, I mean, the paint apl- application of the paint is obviously pretty important, but actually the, the choice of uh subject matter mm. is quite fascinating and of course this particular period of him 1932 he was this marriage was breaking down he was having an affair with uh mary theresa th- this girl who was i think 38 or 28 years younger than him which of course in those days was pretty outrageous uh, even, even in those days even in those, <laughs> those days and um you know he got very very sensual the whole thing and um uh, so that was that sort of stirred things up a bit, and a lot of the galleries d- didn't really want to take it on because it was some of it was quite, you know, uh, near to the knuckle, so mm. to speak. Um, so he was obviously going through some kind of a, maybe a midlife crisis of some sort, you know, maybe a s- midlife sexual crisis. I mean, um, and uh, that comes out in the painting. So it's it's quite hot, a lot of it. Quite hot, as in saucy hot. Yeah, but I mean, he just he just played around with the 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 female form so much right. and it still hung on to this sense of sensuality which is pretty difficult to do because I do try and do that myself. Are you a fan of Picasso? Do you like his art? I'd, I mean, there are well, so many phases of his of his career, but there are. And, and of course, uh, one of the things he rather cheekingly did uh, in nineteen thirty-five or something was put a whole load of his previous paintings together with his present paintings. Which of course everybody was looking at things going, how the can earth can the same man do all this mm. different things? Because he was a he painted like a genius at 17. Quite. You know. So where do you go after that? And he lived for another 80, 80 years or something, so he just had fun, I think. Exactly.
0: Can we talk a little bit about how you got started? As you said, you picked up guitar at 14. It sounds like there was a choice to be made about whether you were going to be an artist, whether you were going to be a guitarist. Mm. Is, is that how it feels to you now,
1: looking back? Well, they or kind both, of ran parallel for a bit, to be honest. And, uh, you know, like everybody, when, that, when I left school, I, I, I tried to get a job. Mm. And um, did that for about two years, and then what uh, was the job? The job <laughs> was working in a timber importers in southeast London. Good lord! Uh, I think there were any the people who would take me. And well, you grew up. you was childhood not in Northamptonshire? Yeah, actually, Leicester. Leicestershire. leicestershire Yeah. But uh, um, uh, anyway, this this job came up through a connection of mine, and I think I was their first management trainee. They didn't know what to do with me, so I worked there for a couple of years, and. After a while I said, I, c- I can't do this, this is crazy. And i just started getting very interested in politics and philosophy and Marx and all that kind of stuff, so I thought, okay. oh, I'd better go and do a degree in, in and I, I got accepted at London University, amazingly, to do a degree in sociology, so that's what I did. God, that's a number of big career jumps in quite a short space of time. Yeah, and, and then moved into a council flat in Southeast east London, and, uh, and then met Mark and David, and... And the rest, as we know, is history. Yeah, things just sort of turned into it turned around. But I'd, I'd been playing the guitar all my life until that particular point in different bands, different, you know, blues bands, jazz bands, funk bands, all sorts of things. So I I learnt the craft, if you like. And then we just sat down, the three of us, and uh, got a drummer in, and um, suddenly that dire, straight sound was formed. Quite was it quickly. suddenly? I it fo- was quite quickly, actually, yeah. Oh, we was it just really? sort of, Yeah, I mean... I played a lot of different people, but when you get into a room with other musicians, you just you, suddenly something happens between you, and it's just like, oh, oh okay, this feels right. Mm. Don't ask me to explain it, because it's impossible to explain. It's well, you play, of, you've been a musician yourself, so you know. It's, it's a sort of alchemy of, art, of
0: artistry. You get three or four people together, and something weird, when it happens right, it just happens, you know it's gel. It's like you know, yeah. when you're making jam, you know when you got the set just right, and actually it, it all takes it yeah. into place. It can be a bit of
1: a sticky business, but... Oh, uh, sorry. I see what you uh, did there. But,
0: um, uh, Do you still enjoy playing? I mean, obviously, one yes. does things in our sort of late teens, 20s, that we do for love, that we're interested in and so on, if you then turn it into a career, it's then
1: work. Does that give it a different dynamic? Can it still be fun? Does it have to still be fun? Well, the thing fun? is, is about music, you never think a out of it as being a career. Quite. Or work. I mean, <laughs> the two things, they don't sort of marry up with playing music to me. Right. Um... And somebody says, "What do you do for a living i kind of I, <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> it's it's kind of a difficult thing to answer but um i think it you know if, if if it if it if it works then it's it's possibly one of the most exciting things to be involved in mm-hmm. and we had a uh, we had did have an incredible journey with it um we had a we had somebody in the band who could write uh, pretty amazing songs and which will stand the test of time yeah you need that. Or um, you know you can be the best musicians in the world, but without the songs, forget it. And uh, so we had that. We had a certain style of our own which stood out from everybody else, and we kept that sort of I think that sense of uniqueness pretty much all the way through. So when people heard it, I went, oh, that's Dire Straits. It's a bit like if you hear Elton John on the radio, you go, oh, that's Elton, or the Who, oh, that's the Who. So you have your own style which isn't affected by. What the music business tries to turn everybody else into is, which is like a can of beans. You know, yeah. you sort of, you are, you stand out from all the rest of it. You guys were never a can of beans. No, we weren't. Indeed. That's true. Yeah.
0: What was your first association with the Curious Arts Festival? Because I know that you've been a big supporter of it. I think from day one. You've played twice. I in played twice. Played <laughs> last year with <laughs> yes. John Niven and the London Haw Dogs. Yes, but I know you've been a special, you know, sort of special guest for two for two years. Oh uh, well. Your I, own
1: I did. Um, I did the second year and, uh, well, basically, I, I just met Patrick uh, in, in the pub and um, in my pub and we just, he, he said, do you, do you fancy doing it? And I said, sure. I said, so I gave him a very good rate because I knew this festival was struggling to start off with. What a good man you are, Mr. Leslie. Uh, that won't happen again, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we should point and, out, Patrick uh, is in the room listening to yeah, this, and Patrick yeah, is Patrick, Patrick Keogh,
0: who's one of the founders of the Cures Arts Festival.
1: Anyway, so... Uh, but, I, you know, it, it gave me a great pleasure to play locally, mm. and uh, because I knew there was going to be quite a few of the people I knew in the area who had come to it, and everybody knows what I kind of do, but they haven't seen me do it. Of course. So they know me as somebody who goes to the pub and you go around for supper and all the rest of it. And I think quite a few people were sort of going, oh, okay, so that's what, <laughs> that's what he gets up to <laughs> when, he's, when, he, you know, when he's not uh, down at the boozer. And um, so I really enjoyed uh, being part of that. But the amusing part about the, the, uh, the show towards the end was that it was a power failure. Oh, yes, good heavens, I've And um, so everything went off for a moment. And um, everything went off for a moment. And then, and then suddenly uh, somebody said, what do you want? Do you want sound or light? And uh, so I said, well, we've got to have the sound. You know, we can't play to people. And we had to play very quietly because by that time we'd gone over, we'd gone over, the over our time limits. Absolutely. Like, singing brothers in arms like this, you know, just make, and everybody went incredibly quiet. And it was good fun.
0: It was, you know, it was very spooky and very special. I remember being in the tent in yes, the marquee quite, at the time. Quite the, quite surreal. This is a complete one-off. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to hear Brothers in Arms like this ever again. No, in the dark. No, you probably won't. Sort of a cappella, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Did it feel terrifying,
1: or did it feel? I mean, you I'm sure you've had. It's not the first time there's been a technical hitch. I have to say, in my life of playing, there's been precious few. Oh, really? Yes. I mean, I don't know how we've got away with it, but just occasionally things go wrong, but not very often, actually. Because okay. we had a very good crew with the band, so that was, everything got taken care of pretty well. So. And that's the sort of specialness that the Curious Hearts Festival can bring to the yeah, event. Yeah, well, look, I think that the thing is, it's gone from strength to strength, the festival, and I think that uh, the local people are, are supporting it in, in bigger numbers. Um, it was great. I think that last year was probably the best year, I think, for me. And I think for the local people. And I think if Why you get so? that balance right, I think the balance was right um, because Patrick and I have talked about this over the over the years. And mm. in a sense, the music is a separate thing. I think almost to the daytime thing because although it's it's all about art and it's all about involvement in the in the artistic uh, world, art and music sort of art can be a little bit separate. So right. in the evenings you have the music, and during the day you have the. You know, you have the, the the literary side of things. And uh, people go to both, and some people like the, like the books, and some people like the music. Mm. And I thought last year was a was a great success, and, uh, you know, so may, long may it continue.
0: Yeah, we're here, here to that.
1: I mean, for those that haven't been to the
0: Curious Arts Festival yet, the, you know, the clue is in the word curious and arts and <laughs> festival, in fact. It's probably why it's called the Curious Arts Festival. Um, but the daytime, it's a literature festival. It has yeah. everything from authors to poets to... Um, stand-up comedy, um, if you heard the original, uh, the, the debut podcast which uh, featured Simon Evans, but there's also historians and philosophers and scientists and you know, there's a really good mix it's like a proper literature festival it's exactly what it is, it's just a lot more bunting, it's sort of in a nicer area and the people are extraordinary what does the community make of it? you live down there, you have a number of businesses down there if memory serves,
1: you've got a couple of pubs and a hotel in the area uh, actually I've just, got a, I've just got the local pub now, the East End Arms that's all right. I've got now Uh, got rid of everything else do they like it do they get it do they think oh actually this is good for us it brings people into the area it gives something to look at it's you know it's oh definitely i I think so and um in in a sense you could fill the festival just from you know 20 30 miles away you wouldn't need to because you've got winchester you've got salisbury you've got southampton you've got bournemouth you know it's very accessible and um so there's no, there's no doubt about it. If you, get the, if you get the mix right, you'll get the right people in there. And people love it because if it's a nice day, they're like sitting out chatting to their mates. Oh, I'm going to go and see so-and-so. Oh, no, have you seen so-and-so? Yes, that's really good, and da 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 A few glasses of this and that and the other, and just keep everybody happy. And if it's a sunny day, it's even more beautiful. I mean, it's just, it's great. Exactly. Love it. Uh, we should point out, actually, for those
0: um, people who are listening worldwide, that Curious Arts Festival is held on the south coast of Great Britain, overlooking the Solent, the bit of the English Channel that is between the um, Isle of Wight and the mainland. So you're looking south over towards the Isle of Wight in a place called Pilewell Park, very close to a beautiful little little port called Limington, which is um, you'll find on them out quite easily. It's an absolutely spectacular part of the world. There's a lot that goes on down there because, of course, you have Bewley,
1: you have all sorts of things as well, John. Moss. Yes, uh, you know, it's it, it's... It's on the edge of the new forest. That's right. And, uh, which attracts an awful lot of people. But in fact, actually, this little bit you're talking about, Rapai Well and the, that little bit on the south coast there, is quite uninhabited. Mm. And uh, it feels slightly cut off from. Because there's no roads that go around there, really. So it's, pretty, it's very quiet, which is the reason why I moved down there, because I didn't get bothered. Quite peaceful, no rubberneckers. No, and you can the, turn your stereo up apart from the coastal path, which is probably going to disrupt an awful lot of people. But no, no right okay. better not go there. That's another thing. We'll not get into that. <laughs> um,
0: you in- still enjoy playing. Um, between now and the festival, which is held on the 20th to the 22nd of July, where can people find you? Where can people see you? if they're interested to the come to see John Illsley? Which um, of course they should be.
1: Well, I'm playing at the place up north in New Toxeter, the acoustic festival, on the 2nd of June. Um, That's called the Acoustic Festival in New Toxta. And then uh, I've got the um, Nell's Blues Club in London on the 3rd. And then I'm playing at the Pig, which is just down the road from the Curious Arts Festival. What is the Pig, for those that don't know? The Pig is a hotel in Brockenhurst. Lovely. That's on the 16th of June, which happens to be my wife's birthday, so she's really pleased about that. And, uh, and, and she's fine about that. <laughs> uh, and then we're playing at Wick- the Wickham Festival in, uh, on the fourth of um, August. And that's pretty much it, I think. Uh, do you? I mean, do you like playing live? Do you like playing to a live audience? Yeah, I, mean, I love it. I love it. Yeah. What
0: does it give you when the audience gets behind you, and you know that there's that <laughs> special atmosphere in the
1: venue when you're playing? Well, I think, I know it sounds obvious to say it, but there's a sort of a developing sort of atmosphere in the crowd. If, if, you get this, if you get it right and the crowd's there with you, you get this wonderful interaction that goes on between you and the audience. And it turns into something quite unique and quite special. Every, for me, every gig is a little different. Um, and the audiences are different in Germany or Holland or France or Italy. Everywhere's a little different. In England, it's different. But so there's always a little bit of a surprise. Uh, But I have a very good, strong band with me now, and um, you know, who are real professional players. So they can do pretty much anything. Given that we
0: spoke earlier on about what's inspiring you about painting, what's inspiring you with the music that you're writing now? Because it's obviously it's a big departure from Dire Straits stuff. It's your own material. You're writing. You're the
1: you're the the generator of it. Well, everything that's going on around me. You know, the songs come from all sorts of places. I mean, I, I've been sort of slightly reminiscing about um, the development of the of the band and trying to put that into some kind of uh, uh, s- s- state for, for a song. And another, another one is about... Um, uh, gosh, how can I describe... It's very difficult to describe things, but I've, I mean, I wrote a song for Tony Blair and George Bush called um, Ship of Fools, which is... Uh, uh, a couple of years ago and it's just really reflection reflecting on what's going on politically in the world socially in the world what's going on in my own life with my children and my wife and you know that's you know so the occasional love song pops out it just depends i mean if you ask somebody why they write about certain things is a bit of a mystery. It's a bit like saying, "Why did you paint that picture?" Exactly.
0: Well, as you said about Picasso earlier on, you know, everything in the artist's life gets used as, as the source for material, everything if not material used. itself. Everything you know, it's gets
1: used. Yeah. You're and sometimes documenting it, the life experience. Yeah. So you don't really know where these droplets of uh, uh, inspiration come from. Sometimes you're sitting at the I sit at the piano most days, or play the guitar most days, and mm. something comes out, and I go, "Oh, that's great." Where's my iPhone? Quick, get that idea down before you forget it. And uh, so I've got an iPhone full of a lot of ideas, and then you, well, you actually
0: you hit record on your iPhone, and that's that's yeah, the
1: first. That's the first thing, and then and then everything sort of filters together somehow over a period of time. You know, when you first start to write, I'm I'm going to go actually, funny this Friday to go and put some tracks down, okay, in the studio uh, with just with the drummer and the keyboard player, just to to give it a bit of a shape, mm-hmm. and then I'll get the rest of the boys in, and we'll you know hopefully make some sense of it. But so this is I'm quite excited now. Because on Friday i go in and start a new, start album, your... a new album. Oh, superb. Yeah. yeah. That's so, a lot yeah. of material. Uh, it's about ten songs at the moment, which might get whittled down a little bit. I don't know. I, you know, I tend to just keep it nice and short. <laughs> Talk us through the process, John. I'm interested
0: So it starts with you have an idea, you're, you're doodling around on the, guitar, on the keyboard or the fretboard... You get your iPhone and think, oh, that's a good idea, we'll record that. What happens after the iPhone? That then becomes the basis for more doodling, more. F-
1: more doodling, yes. And, and uh, basically, you think of a middle eight, you think of an intro, you think of a, uh, a chorus, and they think, oh, that chorus actually doesn't go well with that, it goes better with that. Right. Uh, I, I, it's it's a process. You just have to go through this, um, uh, What do you, I don't know, what do you call it? A trying to find the word for it really when it when things just start to sort of meld together in some kind of way and it magically takes shape it magically takes shape and i don't quite know how it works but suddenly you end up with with a finished product yeah um and uh so it's it's a mystery and I, and I think that's the reason why you keep, still keep doing it i mean when i start a painting I start with a blank piece of canvas and I just get some charcoal and I just make the most filthy mess I possibly can on this thing and then suddenly shapes start to work because I'm an abstract painter, generally right. speaking. Shapes start to emerge and think, oh, that's interesting, that looks like a leg or that looks like an arm and then something else comes up and then, oh, no, it's not, it's turned into a horse's head or something. And I mean, it's, just, it's just, it's completely arbitrary. Good Lord. And then, and then and you can leave it for a while and then you paint over it and then you paint over it again and again and again and suddenly something starts to come back at you from the canvas. And it's the same with writing a song. It, st- it suddenly starts to come back at you. And you can... Sometimes it's quite good to think of a title, not for the painting but for the piece of music, and then work around that. Oh, OK. That be- then beca- the- so that becomes the central pole that you erect
0: the tent around, yeah. and that you start to think, OK, it's got to be relevant to this. Yes.
1: Yeah, so an example is the, one of the songs on your album is going to be called Coming Up For Air. It's the uh, idea of, you know, uh, sort of finding some kind of release out of the sort of problems that associate everybody in everyday life. Yeah. And I'm coming up for air, you know. I'm just coming up for air because I need air.
0: We're all trying to come up for air. It's one <laughs> of the joys of the curious answers. We all get a chance to breathe for once. Yes, exactly. Do you listen to a lot of music that's coming up these days? I mean, there are so many different genres of music. Anybody with a laptop, with a phone, as you say, can start to record stuff and get it out there. Do you
1: Do, do you keep an ear on what's going on out there? Uh, a little bit. I actually, my children keep me most mostly abreast of all that stuff that's going on. Harry, is uh, he does a bit of DJing, and, and my daughter, who's 20, knows more about 50s and 60s music, so she often plays me things from the past. And I'm going, gee, where did you hear that from? She said, don't you know this one, Dad? And I go, no. She said, that was recorded by so-and-so in 1958. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, all right. So they introduced me to new and old stuff, and but I, I, I have to say, I'm of a certain age where I, I'm sort of pretty cemented in a lot of the things that I listen to regularly. Right. You know, like... Or Van Morrison, or Dylan, or Cohen, or people like that. You know, I like singer-songwriters.
0: All good. Mm. Do you read as well? I mean, given that the Curious Arts Festival is about books as much as music, do you? Are you, are you an yes, avid reader? Yes,
1: I've just finished. Well, you know, the, of course, the um, is it Hat- Hatari, the guy, the Sapiens and Homo Deus. Harari, that's his name. Yeah, and also just finished a wonderful book called A Gentleman in Moscow you Read that? I have That's, not. It's very good, and I can't remember the title, I don't remember the author. But someone will be googling it as we speak. It's really, really, it's a really lovely book. Oh, super! Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a it, it's uh something I just couldn't put down. So I do read quite a lot, but I don't know about anybody else. I find that I read a book and I think, God, that was a good book. You go and read something else, and then somebody says, What was that book like? You read it six months ago, and I go, Well, it's. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we're getting to an age, John. Well, it, might, it might be that, or I don't know, because it's really the only thing that's in front of you for that particular time you're engaging with. Yeah, true. And if you think of all the books you've read over the years, you know, and you think, oh my god, well, what was that about? I mean, I just read Paddy Smith's books. You know, the um, yeah. Just Kids, and which I loved, which was fabulous. And um, so, you know, it's a bit of a variety of things I get into. As all, all yeah, as all good artists should, as all
0: good artists should, you seemed excited when you said earlier on about you're going to the studio on Friday. You sounded there was a twinkle in your eye, John, and you <laughs> seemed to be when you said there's just going to be a, a drummer and a, and a and a keyboard player. We're just going to sort of give it shape. But there was a twinkle, and you sounded excited by the possibility or by the prospect of it. Why the excitement? What does that mean? Does it mean that it starts to become real? It's not just something that's been in your head. It starts
1: to take yeah. shape and form. It's also quite nerve wracking because I've been playing with these. Chaps, now for two or three years, so they know me quite well. and They know my other music quite well. because right. So when I introduce new songs to them, I'm kind of going. I wonder if they'll, you know, what they'll think about this. You want them to like it. It's, well, the, it's the test of you're showing it to somebody else. Yes, exactly. I don't. I just want them to engage with it and move it along, really. But it's a it's a it's a wonderful moment when you when you. I just sit there with an acoustic guitar, and I just let them sort of hear it and then do okay. what they feel. And I said, I've got this idea for the bass drum maybe, but just, you know. And um, it's a wonderful organic, I hate to use that word generally, but it's an organic sort of development of uh, ideas just between three people initially. And uh, suddenly the song grows. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make the song grow. So Drum do you start to
0: see possibilities because then you're getting feedback from the drummer, you're getting feedback from other musicians, from the keyboard player, from yeah. the drummer. So do you then think, oh, actually, there, I should have thought of that because now I can do this in here.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. It, so it's that two-way development. Absolutely, and that's what we used to do with the with the Straits. Was the, you know Mark would come to the studio with a sometimes with a quite a finished uh, song and other times just with some ideas, and then we'd knock it about and play it, and it would have that Straits feel to it. And um, it's it's that process of exposing other musicians to a kernel of an idea, right. and seeing what they make of it. Uh, because these guys have played with or they've played with everybody, McCartney and you know Oasis and. You know, the pretenders and people, you know. So they're, they're well-versed in playing decent songs. So they'll De- tell you decent. if it's any good or not. <laughs> but also adapting to somebody else's style, to somebody else's distinctive sound. They know what the sound is, they know how to get it. Yes, and, and it's quite funny, really, because when I do interviews and somebody says, oh, your music sounds a bit like Dire Straits, I'm going, well, that's, isn't that strange? <laughs> that's very strange curious. Co- that's co- very curious th- that is cu- <laughs> <laughs> curious uh-huh. indeed. Uh, you know, and I, I find that so amusing. I said, what on earth do you think it's going to sound like? Um, You've
0: collaborated with other musicians in the past. There was a band, I can't remember the name of them, Kudra, Kula... Kunla. Kunla. Tell us about them, how that came about. Uh, Because you worked with them a lot, actually.
1: Well, I did, because actually I I, I really had pretty much stopped playing for a while after when the Dire Straits situation... Slowed right down, and I got back into painting big, big time. I okay. said, "Right now, I'm this going is to what, be Mid nineties, pain- yeah, early, early mid nineties. Yeah. Okay. And I, so I started painting like a maniac. Wanted to get develop that and take it as far as I possibly could. And uh, so um, I spent a lot of time painting, and the music sort of went into the background a bit. And I started doing exhibitions and uh, with Angela okay. uh, Neville Keating and then I did a show in New York and one in Australia. So I was pretty busy with the painting. And then I went to visit a mate of mine up in Leicestershire who was having some sort of party in a pub and this, these bunch of Irish guys were playing. And they said, oh, come on, John, you'll get up now and play with us, won't you? We know we know money for nothing anyway. So I said, oh, Christ, OK, right. <laughs> I picked a, a guitar for sort of months and stuff. Anyway, we had quite a, a, a good laugh and, a good, and good fun. And they said, why did you come over to Dublin and we'll do a bit of, you know, play some music, just spontaneous stuff. Mm. And I said, well, what about rehearsing? They said, oh, no, no, we don't do that. <laughs> Rehearse spontaneity, I love <laughs> so, that concert. I mean, literally, I went over there and I, I just, you know, and, and it was great fun for a while. Far too much drinking, I mean. No, uh, surely not, Mr. Illsley. No, I mean, these, these guys. With musicians in Ireland. These guys, <laughs> I mean. I don't know how they could play like that. I really? had no idea. I mean, I, d- I I mean, I can't do that. Okay. I I was back from them uh, anyway, but it was great fun, and we we recorded a live album actually uh, in um, in France near our place in France. I got right. a place down there, and uh, I, live in Les Beaux, and it's it's sort of done rather well actually. I'll say. in a quiet way. And were they happy? Were they happy with it? Oh yes, it was the first gig they ever did sober. <laughs> I said we're recording this show tonight, and I'm really terribly sorry, but, but there will be no be alcohol. Be no in no the green, alcohol. World. And they said, "Oh, we've never done that before." <laughs> and I said, "Well, this is there's a first for everything." And they said, what, 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 No, no, no." And I said, "Right, you can afterwards you can do whatever you like. You can go and get completely plastered." Said, there's a party downstairs afterwards with the local mayor, and there'll be lots of girls. There. And they went, "Oh, walk we'll over here, will call here, okay." And uh, they did get. But we recorded an album with them sober, and they were all very surprised how good it sounded and I said, "There you go <laughs> <laughs> so that was great fun anyway, that lasted a few years
0: Are you working with any new music- new musicians now are you, are you, uh, do you do you like, do you
1: like to co- collaborate with younger generations than you and i i'm going to 'm going to probably get a few people i haven 't decided yet okay. i 'm going to see how these songs develop and, um, uh, and, and I, I will certainly get some brass players in because I need a, cu- a couple of brass things on this and maybe a bit of pedal steel on a couple of things. Ooh, I don't nice. know, just to see. I don't know.
0: And how do you go about finding them? Do you put the shout-out amongst oh. the industry or do you go to the Royal College
1: of Music? Or? Uh, no, I think you just sort of phone somebody up and say, do you know, so-and-so. And they say, oh ah, okay. yes, yes, I'll give you his number.
0: Oh, that's how it works. That's <laughs> how it works.
1: Yeah, Eric, are you free by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> you <know
0: what>? Exactly. <laughs> For those that haven't been to the Curious Arts Festival yet, I've seen you, I mean, religiously, for the last three or four years, walking around, usually in a very fine hat, enjoying it. What do you enjoy about it? What do people that haven't been, what might they enjoy about it? What would you say to somebody that hasn't been to encourage them to come to the Curious Arts
1: Festival? Well, there are obvious things you will find there, which are, which are books and uh, authors, and you'll find um, good beer tent, good wine tent, and a good champagne tent, which is pretty important when it's a nice day. But you will also have an atmosphere there which is pretty unique, which I've never seen anywhere else, where you get all sorts of people mixing together, experiencing uh, a pretty wonderful setting in the Hampshire countryside. And in the evenings you'll get some pretty fine music. So, you know, that caps it all off, really. It's three days of, uh, for me, it's three days of just sheer joy.
0: It's called itself a boutique fest- festival. I'm liking your concept that it's a unique boutique festival. It is unique.
1: I, don't, I mean, I don't know anything else quite like it, really. Yep, I think you're probably right on that.
0: You have been listening to The Curious Podcast. The Curious Festival happens this year, 2018, uh, from the 20th to the 22nd of July, inclusive. It's held at Pilewell Park near Limington in Hampshire. The website for further details is www.curiousartsfestival.com and this podcast is made in partnership with our friends at The Curious Brewery. John, it's been such a pleasure to have you on this. Good luck with the gigs between now and the 20th of July and uh, I very much look forward to seeing you at the Curious Arts Festival 2018. Thank you so much. My pleasure.